Hey guys, it's Michael and welcome back to Box Mining. This episode, we're going to take a deep dive and look at blockchain gaming and digital collectibles on the blockchain. We've been following this area for the longest amount of time and I know it has a huge amount of potential. After all, blockchain assets can be traded easily. It can also be tracked as well to verify its authenticity and also its limited availability as well. So huge advantages over traditional just collectible space. Today, we have an interview with Evan Vandenberg, the business director of Wax. We've been following Wax for a while now, and they're the kind of at the forefront of the digital marketplace. Recently, they partnered up with Tops to provide GBK garbage pail kit cards on the Wax blockchain. And it's been a phenomenal success. They've sold out <laughs> within hours, and the value of these cards have been going up as people are jumping on board. So today we're going to talk a little bit about this partnership with them and how they're going to bring users on the blockchain. But I also wanted this video to be very real. This is one of the big aims of 2020 to not just talk about, oh, blockchain is going to be the best at everything, but what are also the challenges facing? Why didn't we have full adoption yet? It's already been 2020 and we'll talk about some of the challenges facing this and how to overcome them in this video as well. So I hope you guys enjoy this video and make sure you stick till the end because Evan's going to tell you a special way to win these sold out GBK cards and that's going to be worth a while for you guys. So make sure you stay till the end, click the like button, subscribe. Let's get rolling. So Evan, how's it going right now? Like, um, I see you're, you're pretty excited. You're wearing a hat. There's a lot going on in wax. Ah, well, uh, yeah, the hat is more due to, uh, hair problems with the, all the Corona stuff. But um, yeah, man, it's been an exciting couple of months. The biggest thing right now has been this tops release you know, sold out in, in basically a day, uh, first day. And uh, we've seen just incredible transaction volume on the secondary market, uh, which has been great news for, for both Wax and, and for Tops, right? I think it's a really interesting- so, so can you tell me a little bit about Tops, like just to introduce my audience to what Tops is and what kind of direction you're taking that? Yeah, so Tops is like this, you know, iconic American trading company. So uh, actually happens to be a large candy business as well. Uh, it's a huge portion of their business. But uh, for the sake of what we're talking about, they're historically very well known for baseball cards. So growing up, you know, for for me even, you know, I was I was very big into trading baseball cards, sports cards in general. And Tops is kind of the the, the premier name in that space. And so, you know, we've been working on a, a project with Tops and a deal with Tops where we wanted to take the best parts about collecting baseball cards, or in this case, GPK cards really any sort of collectible trading card and take the blockchain because it does such a good job of taking the best properties of those things and then making them hyper efficient, right? The trading, the transparency, the security of assets, the verification authenticity of these things. It's, it's really quite simple comparatively to what you see in the physical card market. And so I think, you know, we've kind of proven, you know, through this release that this is a really interesting opportunity for anyone in that, in that space. And, and for them, you know, a secondary benefit is, they've always been the leading seller of these cards, right? But the vast majority of the value captured on these cards has always been in the secondary markets, the Ebays, the houses, mm. all of those types of things, right? So they're now, you know, a little piece of the secondary market as well. And they're involved in that and they get to see live data on all of it. So it's, it's, it's interesting for them and, and for us on multiple fronts. That's awesome. Cause like something I'm very familiar with is the, the gaming world where there's a lot of gaming items being traded. And I think that's where Wax has its roots. But then now we see that transition, right? We see that kind of expanding of 
this idea of digital trading, it's much easier, right? If you want to trade real cards, you have to go to a store or meet someone up in person. But obviously now we're just like, with being on a blockchain and being all digital, we're seeing much more of a global worldwide trade going on where everyone can collect it, everyone can trade it. So right now you, you have the partnership going on and you see more transactions on it. So people are trading this every day. Are they finding it easier to use? What's the average experience like for the baseball card collector or what sort of whatever sort of collector out there? Yeah, so I'll, I'll touch on the transaction concept and, and what's going on there. And then I want to make sure I touch on like what the experience is and why this happened to work at this point in time, mm. because there's been a lot of evolutions of, the, of our project in particular. Mm. Um, so in terms of the transactions, it's been wild. Um, so we sold roughly $100,000 of cards of packs mm. in primary market sale. Of those mm. packs, I think there's still like 30% haven't been opened. But even with the cards that have been opened, we've seen well over $500,000 of secondary market trading. So what that equates to, right, is in two to three weeks, we've seen the primary market sales 5x, 6x, potentially larger than that because there's been a ton of eBay posts and a ton of different, you know, things that weren't necessarily, we'll call it sanctioned activity. But uh, in any case, it's it's been eye-opening to see that that magnitude, right? So primary market, you know, just on this release alone is 20% of the real value capture on the platform. And so, that's interesting, right? Uh, for me, it was a great sign to see that. Um, that's really where blockchain plays a role, right? Because anyone can sell you something once um, online in the e-commerce fashion. It's another story to have this secondary capability. So that's that portion. And I think the key as to why that succeeded, right? As to why this mass adoption of, of people coming to the platform, purchasers coming in is, is twofold. I think the most important by far is that we've created something called the Wax Cloud Wallet. Um, mm -hmm. that allows for single sign on with all sorts of different social media, um, accounts. You don't have to do the craziness of, you know, MetaMask or other private wallet experiences, right? Because that's just not what tops base does, right? Like they're not necessarily even familiar with crypto and we wanted to make sure they didn't have to be to start, right? Mm -hmm. It's, you know, to me, wax cloud wall, it's really like the gateway drug, right? You know, <laughs> get, you know, you get this really simple experience where they can log in the same way they do to their favorite apps. And then mm. immediately poured it into this experience where, okay, now I can go do something with it, right? We don't, you don't have to pay mm. for transactions on Wax. You don't have to do all these things. So you can actually fundamentally be a gamer on Wax or a collector on Wax and have no concept of crypto, right? To be clear. Nice. Um, so how many people um, are trading on this platform right now? So what's the total? Have you expanded? So after the launch of the Tops partnership, after the launch of these cards, did you see a mass increase in user adoption? Is that going on? Like how, how what's the figures for that? Yeah, so figures are uh, breaks down to about 50-50. Um, and when I say 50-50, I mean 50% of the people who are trading on the platform, purchasing cards, selling cards, are new to blockchain. 50% mm -hmm. are, we'll call them either familiar with WAX or at least familiar with crypto. So that was a really fascinating stat. And that we, we were able to kind of attribute to, we did a bunch of different polls and things of that nature. And we were able to get a pretty reasonable number. And then we could kind of circulate that with data of new accounts, you know, since everything's mm -hmm. transparent, we can kind of see what's going on. Um, and then in terms of total purchasers, this thing sold out, I think with like, I, don't quote me on this, but I think it was 1200 unique buyers, average nice. price, average sale price. I mean, that would take you to somewhere around a hundred dollars a person. Um, that's pretty good. That's really good per person. That's, that's yeah. a lot. I mean, in video games, I mean, if, if you have a $20 average revenue per user, you're, you're golden, you know, like that's at least for a freemium, like uh, model. So um, that's, that's good. Yeah. 
Uh, and by the way, just, just to throw Evan a carrot here. So, you know, prior to this, I didn't ask him to prepare numbers and such. So being able to pull these numbers off, I think that's really amazing. Um, all I told Evan was, hey, let's have a catch up. And then now like, I'm going straight in. Yo, what's the numbers, Evan? And just give me some solid figures so, so we can be excited. And, and just, uh, I just want to give you just uh, credit for being able to pull these numbers off. No, I appreciate that. I mean, for me, it's been just so fascinating to watch. So I've had my like, you know, constant refresh and, you know, seeing just all the, the transactions, everything going on, because when we released this, I mean, I had this hope of it turning out this way, mm. an expectation that it was going to turn out this way. I don't know, man, that, would, that, that sounds a little bit more, you know, optimistic. Now, all of a sudden, having seen what I've seen, I mean, this next series that we're going to drop with them, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, I, I think if we didn't, have any sort of limitations that it would sell out in the first five minutes. That's my genuine belief um, based on the conversations I've had with people who have reached out and been like, I'm going to buy 10, $20,000 of these things. I'm like, Oh, great. Well, I don't want one person to buy all the cards. So like maybe we need to figure out a way to like limit and, and, and you know, rate limit and, 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 and throttle kind of that purchasing flow. Mm, mm. So that's, that's the step you're at. That's, that's great to hear. I mean, obviously when you're at the, yo, know, you can only purchase like one card or, or one set of cards when you're throttling, that's, that's really good news. It's like you're limiting how much people can buy. And that's, that's always the best. So now, um, so the experience in, in terms of the collector, obviously they have a completely different experience because prior to this, they had to hold a physical card, right? Now it's all digital. So like one of the things here is how do you make sure that the digital asset feels good? I mean, out of, otherwise they might as just well be collecting JPEGs at, at a certain point, right? Totally. Yeah, no, totally. Right. And at their core, they could be JPEGs, right? They're not, but like it could have been that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm happy to show you some, some, some assets, from, mm, mm. but what we did is we kind of work, we work with tops and we created different levels to the cards. So cards have uniquely digital properties, right? So for instance, there's gifts um, on some cards, there's mm. holographic kind of like constantly like shiny, you know, very similar to like what you would have seen on like a Pokemon type card, like on the face. Mm. Of it. Um, and then we even have animations. So like on the rare collector's edition ones, there's actually a live animation built into the card and they're all three dimensional. So you have like this feel where you can actually, you can kind of like grab them with your mouse and flip them around. You can see them. Right. They all have these properties and you can actually you know, view them on chain. And there's, there's a lot of different unique factors there, but. So it's really going the extra mile for these users. So it's not just saying, look, okay, here's a picture of a card, but also adding additional features and making them look very appealing on a mobile screen. So optimally speaking, you can just go out, like you can probably um, do both, right? You can trade in person and all obviously in online as well, right? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, but probably right now, not right now though, obviously with COVID, but, but I was going to say that. Um, maybe I bet there's people doing it. I mean, I'm a hundred percent sure that there is back channels going on where people are, you know, sending things and then mowing each other, which, you know, I, I have a love and hate relationship but with, for me, I'm just like, that's really fascinating right now. It's such like a, uh, you know, knowledge gaining point in this experience. Right. I mean, I think this is really one of the major first real major brand IPs that people know mm -hmm. that there was an existing behavior and an, you know, an existing culture around these, these assets. And so doing that, you know, it's, it's just been fascinating so far. Awesome. So, so where do you see all this going? So, I mean, obviously we started talking about this very, very early. I mean, 2017, 2018, when things were just being built and it was very limited in scope. Now we have a larger scope, right? So it's not just gaming, but more about assets. What other assets can you foresee and what do you kind of foresee the future of, you know, blockchain's role in the digital collectible space? 
It's a great question. Um, <laughs> can go, can go. That's a very broad question too. You can, you can fill it with anything creative. <laughs> no, because I think it's, it's, it's just, there's a couple ways I, th I see things going. I think if you're really honest with yourself, this actually, these types of collectibles make the most sense. Like even looking back to CryptoKitties, like sure there was a breeding mechanic at, in, in, you know, mm -hmm. built in, but like ultimately those are collectibles, right? That's mm -hmm. the way I view it. People I'm sure in the comment section will disagree, but that's kind of the easiest view one, right? Is like collectibles to me, right? Like that makes so much sense for blockchain, right? And I think that's going to be something that we, we this year we're going to see a lot of new stuff. I mean, just from Wax alone, I know we've got incredible IP partners coming to the platform. Doing like just really interesting stuff. And I think we're going to start evolving even with those collectibles, things that you can do with it, right? Functionality that, that wasn't available on a card. Um, and, and that could come in multiple ways. I think there's this concept I've talked about a fair amount in, in all sorts of conversations about kind of tying physical and digital. Um, and then I think there's this other concept of, you know, doing things with on-chain results and maybe sports scores and evolving cards in a real-time fashion that just simply couldn't be done with cardboard. Um, and I think you're going to start seeing a blend of that is the kind of first level of, of evolution. I think once we see that, I think the gaming components are just going to fall into place, right? It's like right now, like, let's call, let's call it even on gaming. Gaming's booming, right? Like gaming is just, hmm. the business model isn't broken yet, right? Like everyone is doing well. That industry is growing multiples, you know, you know, 10% plus a year, I think it was 17%, you know, a year over year last year alone. And, and it's not stopping anytime soon. So like trying to get these massive games to come do, you know, like Fortnite on, on blockchain, it's kind of like, well, why, right? Like why fix something that's broken? We're printing cash and people love it and, and, and all of that. And I don't think blockchain necessarily is a great gaming solution. I think it's mm -hmm. a great asset solution, right? So like let's separate the item economies and we'll call it the skins and the cosmetics and the things that, that, that really do make sense for NFTs and secondary markets those I think are going to become more and more available on blockchains. I think people are paying attention now. I mean, I can just tell you from firsthand experience, like conversations have gone from, yeah, that's cool. Like uh, let's hear, let's hear about it, but I'm not going to do anything. Mm. To, okay. Like let's think about how we can do something in the near term, right? Like let's do a test. And I definitely agree with you there. And I love the honesty as well, because obviously all the blockchain gaming companies are like, this is going to be transformative. It's going to change everything. But we know that with the gaming industry, there's actually quite a negative movement, I would say, but movement away from player trading. Um, so a lot of times skins are so like bound to the account because they don't want people to trade it because they're going to lose money. Right. So that was the kind of the business model that the gaming industry is following. And it's quite, kind of working quite well. I would say by under, by working quite well, it's an understatement. Obviously there's another branch. Obviously there's, um, there are companies exploring the idea of trading. And I think that's where we're going to go, but it will take quite a while to work out better business models for that as well. Because at the end of the day, if you, can sell a skin and the guy can't resell it afterwards, more money made to the company, right? So I love your honesty. I do want to, I do want to interject there because I actually fundamentally from an economic standpoint disagree with that, that principle, right? Really? Okay, okay. But from an economic standpoint, you buy a house, you buy a car, right? Mm. Why do you buy those things, right? Because some of them appreciate in value. Cars mm. are not unless you're really lucky and you get some mm -hmm. car and you get really good taste. But a lot of assets do appreciate over time and not even that, right? Let's assume they depreciate over time at least you can sell it when you're done with the utilization of that asset. And thus the primary market should be able to render more cash, right? Like it should be a more, <clears throat> you could be able to increase your primary market while still supporting a secondary market because they're both, it's a virtuous cycle, right? Like people are going to buy and 
Um, did I cut out there? Uh, you're good. You're good. Uh, it was like one slight second, but it's good. All right. Well, I heard some some feedback. So yeah. So from an economic standpoint, I think that that's something you have to like. My job is oftentimes like educating people. Like, well, why would I do that? Mm. Well, why don't we take a look I, at? And I think that's why I said there was a split, right? Obviously, there um, for from from the game designer perspective, right? Um, uh, creating one's use is much easier to uh, maintain than a forever long market, right? So even two years after, how do I make sure that maybe this certain skin or mound is desirable? Because you have to spend time and money and effort to make sure that players know, oh, this is a very desirable skin. So you kind of like, the more you split off your kind of concentration, like, oh, make the 10 year old skin sexy, make the five year old skin sexy again, make the new one sexy. It's actually um, a lot of effort. So I feel like, from the developer's perspective, from the game developers, they just want to make you, this is the seasonal skin, this is great, buy it, and you lock it on and you can show off to your friends, the rest of the stuff. And then it's from a developer's perspective, that's easy, right? Yeah. I think that's, that's my yeah. argument there. Like, most of them are lazy. Most of them, are, that's the laziest way and that's the most kind of popular way to do it. That's why I said there was a negative trend. But obviously, there is definitely a market where yeah, um, you know, there's definitely mounts in World of Warcraft that still worth a lot. I mean, we're talking about Meccano Striders right back there. And, you know, there's obviously stuff like that, but those are kind of like, um, it's much harder for a developer to do so. And it's only the really OG ones that kind of make it possible. I, I, I would argue that way. And I think you're not, you're, you're definitely not wrong. It is easier without question and they're making money doing it, right? So when mm -hmm. something's easy and you're making money, it's a bit harder of a sell. My hope and my belief is that over time, we have to, as, a, as like an entire space, right? Because like we need to make good business models for them, right? And transactional revenue models are, are, are excellent, right? And they've got great ones, microtransactions, everything else in their games. Finding a way to really make blockchain enhance that and not take away from it is probably the right, the right play, right? And, and I think we can agree there. So yes. I, don't, yeah, I don't think it's been that easy to, to do stuff with blockchain. It's getting way, way better now. Um, but let's be clear, a year ago, it's really hard to ask, even if they wanted to do it, like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna have them like, you know, there's, there's, there's questions. Part of it is you have to get the good content on there from the gaming standpoint, from the collectible standpoint, mm -hmm. man, are, are we making headway there? Uh, I think we're really gonna start seeing like the real collectible stuff that everyone, you know, collects coming to the space. So I think that's an easier ask. I think the, there's, there's a few big, they're not existential threats. They're really not. They're just something that I know personally I've had to just battle and battle and battle is everybody does their legal processes a bit different. And if you're an IP mm -hmm. and you have the content, right? Content really is king in many respects. And you have to respect those content holders, right? And blockchain by, you know, inherently doesn't necessarily provide a lot of securities that they get in traditional avenues, right? They're, they're just more accustomed to, oh, we have so much control over this. We can shut the game down or we can do this. We can do that. Whereas blockchain, once it's out there, people can trade that with virtual impunity, right? And so socializing that idea, and you know, we've spent a lot of time putting together legal constructs of like, hey, how does mm -hmm. it work? And how do we make this worth mm -hmm. your time? Are you still there? Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, it's just, yeah, so how do you make it worth your time? So I think you touched on a good issue here because a lot of the um, blockchain games, I think we have two sides, right? We have um, blockchain or very kind of, um, 
even smart contract developers trying to make video games. But the problem is a lot of the times the games are very thin on content. So I would say like, you know, CryptoKitties, sure, it made a lot of money, but in terms of being able to interact with those kitties, it's not really a game, right? It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a JPEG. It's a GIF, right? You can't, you know, we've seen, you know, pet games before, you know, Nintendo pets and, you know, they're successful because you can actually interact with these pets or, or do something with them. So, you know, creating a game is, um, it's a craft, right? I think the best way, I think, um, as an, game developer, um, I'm coming from a game development background as a craft. It takes years to perfect, right? Um, game designers, that's why they're so famous. I mean, Hideo Kojima, he's been in this industry. What, he's 60 now, right? This guy's been here since forever. I think 30 plus years and that, um, he's still crafting games and he's still coming up with these ideas, right? So I think like um, that's going to take time and I def definitely think that's the biggest hurdle. The, the game developers and more specifically game kind of directors coming, um, getting that experience and using these items. I think that's hard for video games. But it's good to hear that the collectible space is also catching on as well. So we kind of have a two-pronged approach for digital assets, which is, okay, video games, obvious solution, but there's also hurdles because of game design perspectives and getting kind of more traditional developers on board. And you know with traditional game development, they're you know, multi-million dollar developments. I mean, Call of Duty series, $300 million. Sometimes they don't want to experiment with the two crazy game concepts. It's just kind of rehashing the same gameplay again and again. And then uh, we have new developers that experiment, but sometimes fail and it takes time to get there. But in terms of the digital asset world, that's going to be, that's, that's what's doing great. So um, on top of that, so are, are there any other thing, products that you would say um, can ease into um, the digital collectible space. We 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 had pops. I mean, I guess this is a very suggestive question. I'm like, yo, what's your next partner going to be? But you know, what what can you say here? I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah. So I think you know, let's look outside of tops, right? Tops obviously has a lot of other IP that's very interesting, and and like that's another conversation. So there's that, and then outside of tops entirely, right? Let's think of collectibles not in the traditional sense right like let's think of like a blend of gaming and, and collectibles right because you know without giving too much away there's lots of figurines there's lots of other cards and and, and, and <clears throat> actual gameplay mechanics built into certain cards right i mean mm. you know without naming names it, you can see where like collectibles can actually have a gameplay mechanic right and there can be something fun about that game that also has a collectible that's basically the asset underlying it um I think that's going to be the, the evolution. And then I think getting from there to real traditional gaming is the final kind of like hurdle, but you're going to see this blend. Like I, I, I know it, you're going to see it a lot this year. Um, certainly through the, the rest of this year is, is going to be a combo, right? Where you have a collectible item that you can sell on a secondary market and there's going to be just traders, right? But mm -hmm. then also going to have like a fun game. Like, and again, you hit on something really crucial is it's always in general with blockchain, there's a few really quality games out there and I, and I don't want to put them down, but it's really content thin, like you'd mentioned, right? It's like an infinite, like an infinite more amount of time is spent on like these technical hurdles and smart contracts and item economy. They're really good at smart contracts, really amazing, but, but, but gameplay wise, you know. You hit on the reason, right? Because it's not easy. I mean, it's not, not easy, easy at not all easy. to come up with a novel concept that utilizes these things. So that's coming, but I think you get where I, I, I'm coming from in terms of trajectory. And, and I think you're just going to start seeing more interactive things with, we'll call them collectibles, whatever you want to call them, NFTs, um, however you want to define them yourself, but like that are interactive in a way that 
is far beyond CryptoKitties, right? That are doing interesting things that were never possible with the, you know, their physical counterparts or, or maybe they don't even have a physical counterpart. Awesome. Yep. Um, so I think, I think that's, that's, that's a great conversation there. Just one question that I wanted to ask. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's the last one. So I think summarizing this, obviously now going back to the blockchain element. So have, haven't touched the blockchain side for a long time. So now there's free trades. You said on Wax, there's free trades, right? So users can just go and trade for free. Then how does the Wax business model work? How do you give value back to token holders and to the whole economy overall? Yeah, so I, I think we can talk about like what's there today and like what are we looking at and what are we evaluating. So really the, the tokenomics behind it is, is more of a resource allocation. Like if you look at EOS, so like it's more on the developer side. Um, Wax is also used to buy and sell these assets in secondary markets. So there's that utility. But then there's also like if you're a dApp developer and you need all these resources to stake on behalf of your customers because you got a, a game going off the shelves, you need Wax to, to, to allocate those resources from the mm. network. So that's more of the business side from that perspective. From the consumer's perspective, we try to eliminate as much as possible. If they're a massive user, they may have to buy or stake RAM for themselves um, using WAX tokens. But generally speaking, they can get away with it for quite some time of not having to do that. And that's by design. Um, so that's kind of the base token models. I, I think what we're exploring is, you know, now that we have IP licensors and there are some levels of like, we'll call them author fees or commission fees, which is basically a way for the IP licensor for some period of time to collect um, a small amount of money on the secondary market side. So like taking a commission and then from there, we'd like to take some of those tokens and, you know, potentially do something of like a burn model or, you know, something along those lines, maybe, you know, don't quote me, I'm probably gonna get in trouble for that. But in any case, uh, we're looking at different models where it really does make sense with the token and the consumer as well, where everyone wins, where, you know, tokens either it's a deflationary model there um, with some of the activity we're seeing. Um, or some sort of distribution. So I think there's 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 different ways to look at it there. Um, but generally speaking, that's how like our it's EOSIO is what's powering our, our blockchain. So anyone listening, it's delegated proof of stake system. We have 21 active block producers, 36 on standby in case you know somebody drops out or servers go down or whatever it may be. In case uh, of COVID, right? Yeah. I, <laughs> it's just, it's a bad joke, bad joke, bad joke. Just slap me for that. Um, so yeah, that's, I mean, generally speaking, we utilize EOSIO technology underlying our chain. It's totally its own protocol, has its own servers and has its own technology built into on top of EOSIO. That's very unique to wax, uh, especially the service. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's, you know, generally the blockchain portion of it. Got it guys. So basically right now, the obvious side to monetize is the corporate side. So the B2B side where companies issuing cards, they need to stake RAM, et cetera. And for consumer side, you're making it easy. It's free transactions for consumers. And then eventually you're looking to expand tokenomics beyond that. So I think that's awesome. I, I know there's a hard question, especially, you know, I, I've been asking a lot of hard questions every day. So I think um, on an ending note here, so what do you see in 20, like what do you, um, I guess I kind of asked this question before, but I thought it's the best way to end this. Um, in terms of your broad perspective, where do you see us going in the future? Like where, um, like let's say it's let's say it's definitely twenty twenty like twenty twenty five. Do you see everyone using it? Do you see um, this being used everywhere? What's your vision? No, I mean by twenty twenty five, like look, I, call me pessimistic. No, there's no chance. I mean, look, there's so much success in not in traditional gaming. And let's just be clear, like, if you just want to build a fun game, like, why do you need to build it on blockchain, right? I mean, there's just no mm. point to do certain things on blockchain. And, and I really hate when people conflate the two, right? Like, it, nothing drives me more crazy than listening to somebody be like, oh, we're building, like, you know, 
tic-tac-toe on blockchain i'm like why and they're like oh it's provably fair it's like yeah okay like i don't know how much people care that much about that but that being said i think you're going to see entirely new business models come out of this is the more time i spend noodling on this the more time i start you know spend talking to really intelligent people thinking about these problems the more i'm just seeing like different business models pop up things that i never thought were possible um you know a year ago and now i'm like oh that's not just possible like we could do that today but you you still got to build out the relationships and you still got to build out the the frameworks everything else to do it so i think 2025, I think you're going to see a lot of crossover between brands, physical stuff, um, games, and, and blockchain being a conduit between those things. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of content distribution done on blockchains, um, a lot. Uh, and I think the business models, right, are just going to start springing up. So that's that's my really positive outlook on it. And awesome. I think I think that's a great way to see it. I think um, I definitely agree with you there. There was there was a lot, especially in 2019. There was a lot of talk, just just fluff talk about oh these expensive items are immediately going to go on blockchain. It's going to solve everyone's problem. It's the the best. It's the bee's knees of solution solving. And now I think we're in more realistic terms here. And I think that's that's the that's the true spirit of it. Because I just think about new business models and how to to do that. There it's challenging, but. I think it's very promising as well. So I think leaving on that note, um, I definitely love to um, update and catch up with you in the future about what's happening um, and uh, uh, learn a little bit more about what you guys are pushing for. So hopefully you can catch you on later. And thank you, Evan, so much for the interview today. Hey, anytime. And by the way, in your, on your video, anybody who comments, I'm going to take all the comments. If they comment their wax account name, I'll give away a few uh, GBK packs, all right? Nice. Yeah. What are they worth, by the way? <laughs> like twelve x the fair market or the initial market. Holy shit! I think it's like that's new altcoin. It's the new. It's a new altcoin market. Like they were five dollars for five card packs, and I think now, gosh, I I can pull it up, but I think it's like fifty, sixty, seventy bucks. Holy shit! All right, that's really valuable, guys. So, guys, thank you so much, and I'll see you soon. You got it. Nice. Thanks. Awesome. That was a good, that was a good, good talk.